2: Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma, Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness
1: within you and the truth that is. Hi,
3: and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Doctor Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co host, along with Doctor Tim Hayes. And we welcome you to the show. Man, where is time going by? This is March the first, twenty sixteen, in the third month of the year already. Oh, and it is Tuesday. We welcome you to the show. Our call in number is six four six two hundred four one six nine. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because it really does make it your show. We're in day 13, I believe, of the intensive. got three more days to go, actually two and a half. The last day is just a half a day. But it has definitely been intense, and we are thankful for the process. Welcome, Michael.
1: Thank you, dear heart. It is intense, and... You know we had shared from the beginning that this group was going to be an unusual group and it's hitting some some levels and some highs of insight and some depth of process that is quite unusual and so it's really just uh, sweet and powerful to be a part of it. I am uh, so blessed to get to do this, to make my way through the world and I'm so blessed to have this. voice that you heard a minute ago as my partner in doing it and bringing these tools to every mind, heart, being on the planet. And we appreciate your partnership, your being here to support us. And by listening, by using the tools and moving them forward on a planet-wide scale, it is such a gift. Beyond that, one of the biggest games of the human mind that needs to be addressed and we've kind of reinforced it several times throughout the whole intensive is that the cycle of suffering, the cycle of problems begins the minute that we think or speak as though something outside of us is the cause of something inside of us. What that tends to do is to intensify the suffering that comes from engaging in energies that we'd rather not have going on. So it might start out as a mild little something, irritation or upset. And when I talk about how you made me feel that, I have to push down on that. I have to hide that from myself. And we call the process of hiding as a result of denial, dissociation. And when I dissociate from something... I have to press pretty hard to keep it pushed down, and the more I press on it, the more energy I put on it. And so the suffering that comes along with engaging in an energy that doesn't belong in me intensifies the more that I press it down. And then as that spring starts to uncoil and I get to look at the hidden part of my mind, then that hidden part of my mind becomes one of the most difficult things to see because for the average person, we've lived a life of most of the dynamics in our lives are about hiding that part of my mind from myself, especially whenever there's stress. And so the person who lives in denial, thinking and speaking as though everybody else is the cause of what's happening in their lives, Lives with parts of their minds hidden from themselves, and the hidden parts of their mind they wear, so to speak, on their sleeves. Everybody in town knows it's there. everybody bounces off of it, but the person themselves has no clue that that is inside of them. We call that living in blockage of truth, and when one the the, the, me- the mechanical way that one lives in blockage of truth is that they say, you made me mad. Now, the only way somebody can be mad is if there's madness moving inside of me. The only way I can be sad is if there's sadness moving inside of me. The only way I can be angry is if there's anger inside of me that's moving. But if I say, you made me angry, what happens is to hide the part of my mind with which I create my anger. And now that that part of my mind is hidden from me, I have to create a picture that supports the lie that you're the cause of my anger, my sadness, my fear, my rage, my guilt, my drama, my trauma. And so I literally create an hallucination, a picture that you're the cause of what I'm feeling. And when I create a picture of the fact that you're the cause of what I'm feeling, I fill my mind with that. And there's some pretty interesting Harvard research that says that in a time frame where 10,000 brain cells are firing, that is 10,000 bits of information are moving in me, that I only get to see a max of nine bits of that data. And so when you realize that you're looking at nine bits of data out of 10,000, you're only looking at the evidence that you've given your mind permission to show you. And so what happens is When I live in blockage of truth, I have a picture in my mind of you causing my anger, which of course is a lie, but filling that nine-bit space with the lie and calling the lie truth means that now there's no room for truth to get into my mind. We actually used to call it in laws of living, we used to call it blockage of personal error. But it really isn't blockage of personal error. When you really look at it, what happens is one sees their error in full living color. They just see the attached to their brain's image of someone else. So they don't block the error. What happens is they call the error truth. And once I call an error in my mind truth, I've only got nine slots, so to speak, for information to show up. So now information about the truth bounces off of me. There's no room for it. So I've now successfully moved into a space where I live in blockage of truth. And once I've decided to live in that blockage of truth, my mind will make up a thousand stories about any object of attention that gets in the way of me maintaining my blockage of truth. And I can, to every kind of You know, disservice, um, ridicule, every kind of rage I have, I can project into my brain's image of anyone who would show me the truth. That's the old story of John the Baptist. Remember, John the Baptist told the king and queen about information they were in blockage of truth about. Their stress went up. So what did they do? They took off John's head. And that's basically what the non-being mind does when someone approaches with truth and creates or brings up the stress in one's mind that holds the blockage of truth and so there's an antidote to this there's a solution fortunately and the solution is love of truth i can if i've lived a life Of denial, which most people in this culture do. I mean, when was the last time you heard somebody in their rage that stopped in the middle of their rage and said, you know, I've really got a lot of rage. I think I need help in healing my rage. When was the last time you saw somebody do that? You've never seen anybody do that because people don't do that. People in rage always have an object of attention. They're always blaming somebody, sometimes even themselves. And so... Once one's stuck in that state of blockage of truth, then giving the mind permission over and over and over, and probably to fully get to love of truth, you're going to have to tell your mind that it's okay to show you the truth as many times as you told your mind to tell you a lie. And every time that you've ever had the thought or seen a world where they made me mad, they made me sad, they made me afraid, they hurt me, they disturbed me, they upset me, that really made me feel bad. Every time that I've instructed my mind to do that, it's going to take a corresponding number of times for me to say to my mind, mind, it's safe to tell me the truth. It's safe to tell me the truth. It's safe to tell me the truth. And then what starts to happen is I start to suspect gee, maybe I'm involved in my life. Maybe it isn't all about them. Maybe there's something inside of me that I would do well to look at instead of just carrying it around and pretending that everybody else is the cause of it. And when I can breathe into that and tell my mind it's safe to show me the truth, then what will happen is that little nine-bit space will start to show me edges of the truth until I'd come into full-blown awareness of the truth and as I do everything in my life changes my physiology changes my emotions change my level of satisfaction with life changes my relationships change my finances change my health changes Everything changes, and the mind that lives in blocks of truth cannot comprehend what that would look like. But once you start to suspect that maybe your mind's lying to you when it tells you that that thing you've been through 87 different times with 42 different people, that you knew it very well before you ever met that person, maybe when you start to suspect that your mind is lying to you and that what it's telling you is not about what's happening today, then maybe you start to crack the blockage truth game. And when truth begins to show up, at first, it can bring forward many, many stresses because there have been many goals held about wanting to blame someone else. So that's going to just have to come up to be cleared out of the system. And this work is about supporting people, meeting their own John the Baptist, and coming to the point where they live in a mind of love 24-7, 365. And as one lives in a mind of love 24-7, 365, different. And what does that mind of love look like? What does that mean? I've had many people, I'm actually uh, oftentimes shocked by how many people will come up to me after a workshop you know, that I do somewhere and say, Michael, I don't have a clue what you're talking about when you talk about love. What does that mean? Give me a definition. And for me, what I find is that there are not words big enough to describe what love is. You could take all the wonderful, charming, beautiful words in the world and put them into a single packet and it wouldn't describe the presence of love. But if you hold a newborn child, you'll know what love is. That's the truth of every one of us. And when we come to experience that, then out of that space, we recreate our lives totally and completely differently. And that's what we're here to support. Now, once you know that, then the work begins. Because now, everything that you've ever been in denial of, everything that you've ever blocked the truth about, is going, is stored in your mind, and it's going to have to come forward for healing. And the key healing tool is called reality management forgiveness. It's the tool with which I go inside myself and I remove everything I've ever blocked in my life. And I get to free literally my cellular structure, my genetics, my emotions, my relationships, and my pocketbook from those energies and those energetic influences. And so that's what we're here to support. If you haven't touched into the forgiveness processes yet, you can go to our website, www.whyagain.org. And if you look on the right-hand side, you'll see all the social media links. The bottom one is actually YouTube. Click on that and look at the 24-minute PowerPoint that's under that link. That'll give you a starting place for forgiveness. Then back up into the home page and you'll see a red and white bullseye in the middle of the page. You might have to scroll down a little bit, but you'll see a red and white bullseye. Click on the bullseye and the bullseye will give you a series of links that will walk you all the way through the forgiveness process up to including about 16 hours of radio shows where we actually step somebody through step by step by step and teach how to do that forgiveness process. And then, if you choose to engage in it, and you do, then chances are there are going to be many questions that will come up. What we're here to do is to support you and get those questions answered. That's the whole purpose of this radio show. In past years... Uh, When we traveled and would do workshops, oftentimes if a support group didn't start, it would just fall apart for people because this is not an easy way to think and to see the world. It requires some significant shifts and changes. And so the purpose of doing this radio show five days a week is so that you have a place to call in for support in understanding the tool of forgiveness and all the corollary tools that we've developed out of the first century Aramaic uh, teachings. So we're honored and delighted that you're here. Uh, Jeannie, is Dr. Tim with us? He is and he's
0: on.
1: Great. Well let's say hello to Dr. Tim and see what's exciting for him today.
0: Well I'm having a, be, kind of a quiet I'm having a, a kind of a quiet, lovely day and I happen to uh click on I'm one of the guests in the chat room and I I know there's at least two things going on that Jeannie would like to mention, so let's go there first. Okay, let's go for it.
3: Thank you, Dr. Tim. Uh, yeah, there's uh, the first thing is, um, let me get them straight here so I get my stories straight. Uh, Linda in Atlanta said she spoke with us briefly. She met us when we were in Marietta. And she has an aunt who is very precious to her who has Alzheimer's. And she said that, um, you know, I had mentioned when we talked in Marietta that dementia and Alzheimer's is sometimes a person who has so much stress that it's a way of checking out and because there's so much emotional stuff to deal with and, and that if they could, at least in a simple way, get her to let go of some goals, it will help eliminate some of that stress. And perhaps she can, you know, retain part of her mind back or whatever. If you want to add to that one first and then we'll go to the second comment.
1: Well, when one lives in denial, they have to block things, and it becomes actually quite an addictive way of managing stress. And so if that happens to be the dynamic behind what the world calls dementia and or Alzheimer's, then that blockage of truth leads to the point, you know, my take would be where the mind just says, I'm checking out altogether, I don't want to deal with this. And so by canceling goals, and they can be just simple goals that one cancels, then one can start to free themselves from that dynamic. And many will say, well, but, you know, if you go into the brain, there's chemistry. Well, let's look at what research comes out of the National Mental Institute of Health. Candace Burt, head of that organization, tells us that. When you think a thought, that thought produces a neuropeptide, an actual molecule. So here we have something that we consider to be non physical becoming physical. All that's happened is it's changed the thought has changed its frequency range and it's become a molecule. We call a neuropeptide. The neuropeptide circulates around in the structure until it finds a cell with a receptor site that matches and it lands on the cell. Now, what the researchers are saying is that the cell then replicates the neuropeptide. My take is that's not quite accurate, and I'd be interested, Tim, if you have any thoughts on this, but it isn't actually replicating the neuropeptide. When the neuropeptide lands on the cell, here's a whole range of complex frequencies that this thought is made up of, and when it lands on the cell that has a receptor site that matches, my take is that energetic patterns in the neuropeptide insert themselves in the cell, and when they show up in the cell, they show up as what we call the chemistry of the cell. So, yes, every time there's a neuropeptide that attaches to a cell that doesn't belong there, there's going to be imbalanced chemistry. But you can't fix that on the level of chemistry because that's not where the problem is. The problem is not the imbalanced chemistry. The imbalanced chemistry is a symptom of the problem. And we all know that by fixing symptoms, you can't change cause. So my take would be you have to go back to the cause, and that is those neuropeptides locked into the cells and showing up as chemistry. And when you remove those, in the ancient Aramaic, the process of removing an energy from a cell that doesn't belong in that cell is called forgiveness. That's what the Reality Management Forgiveness Worksheet is about. And so that would be my input there and this, the benefit and the support that uh, that might come to your aunt if she's at a stage where she can comprehend that, which I hold that she is, and that uh, she might be able to do that.
3: She's actually been calling in.
1: Oh, awesome. Great. So as you call in, if you hit 1, we'll be having a conversation about you, about it and see how we can support you. Our call-in number is 646. If you're on one of those stations we can't access or you're in the chat room, 646-200-4169. And we are here to support Press 1 when you dial in. So as you dial in, the way that Jeannie gets to see you is when you press 1 on your dial pad, that puts a hand up and puts you up to the top of the phone queue so that she can see you, you know, with a list of numbers. She can't uh, tell somebody coming in new. But just push 1. And then she'll be able to turn on your microphone, and we'll be having a conversation. While we're waiting for that, Dr. Tim, do you have any thoughts on that input in terms of dementia, Alzheimer's, neuropeptides becoming chemistry?
0: Part of this is, and this has resonated several times when I've heard you talk about it, the thing that comes to my mind when you mention that is, the depth of the conditioning, because here you are looking at it and exploring it and trying to talk about it and peel off the layers of conditioning, and even your speech goes back to talking about it as though it's chemistry, rather than simply saying, so there's an energy, and there's an energy in the system that doesn't belong, and it's disrupting the energy patterns, and then and then you go back to talking about a chemical entering the cell, rather than saying, here's this energy which interacts with the other energy that some would call the cell and blah blah blah, so it's it's fascinating how how even when we're we're seeing the science that says this thing we're calling matter is just energy, it's not solid it's ninety nine point nine nine percent empty space, like every atom that's making up this thing we call solid, and yet we still have difficulty breaking the conditioning of the of the verbal patterns and using these words to talk about cells and chemicals and um and the other thing i would say is that i agree uh, uh, completely i've seen it time and time again when we're observing if we get people to use the tools they they dismantle the energies of fear and sadness and hurt and depression and i've had people who have talked about as they use the tools their minds get more clear, their memory gets better, their energy level is uh clearer. Now this is not to say that if I do enough worksheets I'll get rid of a, a solid pattern of dementia or Alzheimer's. Because by the time something gets to that level of um you know symptomatology, there's been a lot going on underneath for a long time. And I'm not I'm not saying I know this can happen and that can happen. All I know is I am continually amazed, as I observe, the things people drop and walk away from that had been labeled by the medical profession as incurable, chronic, fatal diseases. So that would be my input.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And, yes, of course, there is a level, and, and, you know, to be really clear, when the cell when the neuropeptide inserts itself, you notice it's, it shows up as what we call chemistry. We've got words for things that don't even exist. And matter and chemistry are things that don't exist, and we call it that. But certainly there's a recognition that it is not that, that it's that energetic pattern of the mind energy that initiated what shows up as the chemistry. And, yeah, unfortunately... A lot of people who want to deal with symptomatology wait until it becomes so chronic and so deeply embedded that the disability that comes along with it makes it much, much more difficult to pull up and out of such a thing. So certainly a challenge. And Jeannie, uh, you've got our caller.
3: Yes, actually. Hi, Esther. We're so glad you're with us. Your niece, Linda, in the chat room is thrilled that you called in. So, what can we do to support you? Michael's with you here, and so is Dr. Tim. Yes, actually. Hi, Esther. So,
2: you're going to to talk to him.
3: Oh, hello. Hey, you will need to
2: mute the computer or whatever's
3: going in the background. Yeah, we can hear you.
2: Okay, I'm here. Okay, I'm hearing you say hello. What do you want me to do now? Oh, okay. We're going to do that right now. We just muted it.
1: So Esther, welcome. How are you today?
2: Um, I'm excited to be talking to you because I've heard, I've learned a lot about you from my niece. Okay.
1: Awesome. Is your niece there with you?
2: No, but she was. Um, she's in another city, but we, she had to get off in order for me to get on, I think.
1: Okay. Well, I think she's in the chat room in the background, so if she has any okay. comments or thoughts, we'll bring it in. And Good. Okay. In the meantime, what can we do to support you?
2: Um, you mean like what, it, what am I hoping will come from this?
1: Yes. Of what?
2: Um well, I work well that works. I think I have Alzheimer's, but maybe I'm gonna be learning not to believe in alzheimer's um because it's um you're gonna make me cry <laughs> it's, it's, go for it's it. make, so um it it, it just is so, ruining my life
1: <laughs> Esther yes, yes. I'm gonna invite you to just breathe into those tears, not yourself, just take a couple of deep breaths, okay. And breathing can, can help to move that energy. Go for it. We we're here to embrace your tears and love and support you going through them. Okay. So what kind of impact is happening in your world from um, this?
2: Well, because I I used to think that I was could rule my whole life, and but I can't now because of what I'm calling Alzheimer's. Right. So I don't know where to go with this now.
1: Okay. Well, one of the things that tends to cause an overload in the mind is that mm-hmm. people tend to load themselves Okay, wait. One down second. Wait. One
2: second. Wait, wait, wait. Sure. Try to get it. Okay, now. Okay, now you can I can hear you better.
1: Okay, okay good. So one of the things that happens that leads to you know, virtually any kind of mental breakdown and mm-hmm. ultimately physical breakdowns or what we call physical breakdowns is that we live with extreme amounts of stress. And an extreme amount of stress comes from a large number of goals. And so one of the cores of our work is in the first century Aramaic language, forgiveness actually has to do with the canceling of goals. You mean I should cancel
2: goals? Do you mean To Cancel goals. Cancel my goals. Yes. Is that what you
1: said? When you start start canceling goals, what happens is you reduce your stress. So, let's say, for instance... You know, if if you've ever reached for, in a, in a hurry, a bar of soap in the bathtub and you get your hand and it slips out of your hand and it slips out of your hand and it slips out of your hand, of your hand because yes. you're in that <laughs> panic mode trying to get it, whereas if you just gently go under the water and raise your hand, up, you can raise the bar of soap in your hand. Yes. Well, it's kind of the same, you know, that's a good analogy for when I load too many goals in my mind, each time I load a goal, I create a stress. And oh. the mind will only tolerate that stress for so long and it says, I'm gonna quit. I'm not gonna do this anymore. And okay, so, I don't
2: think I'm at that I don't think I'm at that point yet, because that's why I'm talking with you, is because good. I'm I'm trying to to not let everything go.
1: Right. Did that make I sense? Understand. I'm absolutely I'm with you. Okay I'm with you a hundred percent. And so right now, one of the the things that might be equal to your, you know, reaching for the bar of soap is to have full control of your mind. And so I'd invite you at this moment to just take a deep breath and just cancel the need to be in charge of your mind.
2: And cancel what?
1: Cancel the need to be in charge of your own mind. Just say to yourself... I cancel I need to be in charge of my mind or my life.
2: I'm supposed to get rid of that? Okay.
1: Well, I'm just <laughs> suggesting you to... just try that. I'm just suggesting okay, but you try that's that what right I've now, been too. Trying
2: to, But that's what I've been trying to keep. And now you're telling mm-hmm, me to let I go, but I'll let go. Okay.
1: Right. Well, you so see, what am as you do, do that, as you do that, you create a stress. And again, what happens is, when the mind becomes too stressed, it quits. So the way you can reduce your mind's stress is by canceling goals. So one of the first goals in the front of your mind right now that seems to be creating quite a bit of stress for you is the need to be in charge of your life. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. So if if what i want to do right now is reduce my stress if i'm if i'm in your position in order to reduce my stress what i would do is i would just say to myself and and to the best of my ability sincerely mean i cancel my need to be in charge of my life and as you say that and do that you might find yourself taking kind of a spontaneous breath and that will be the release of some stress and it's it's kind of like the you know, um uh, an oxymoron, by reducing the stress created by the goal to be in charge of my life, I will be able to be more in charge of my life.
2: Okay, I'm not sure I'm trying to understand you, but I have to be I, honest I and say I'm not sure what I'm doing. I understand. I understand. Okay.
1: So Notice when I'm sitting in the bathtub and I'm in a hurry and I want to grab that bar of soap and it keeps jumping out of my hand.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If I could cancel my need to grab the bar of soap and just gently place my hand in the water under the bar of soap, I can lift the bar of soap up out of the water.
2: Am I supposed to be doing this?
1: Well, no, I'm just I'm using that as an, I'm anal- doing it. as an analogy. Yeah, yeah. I'm just using okay. that as an analogy. When I when I do that, by letting go of the need to, oh, i got to get that bar of soap, I can gently put my hand under it and lift it up because I've let go of the stress. Okay. And so it sounds like one of the major stressors. It sounds like perhaps your mind is under too much stress. And one of the major stressors that you've got is to be in charge of your life.
2: Huh. Okay.
1: And so it's kind of like, you know, a downward spiral. I want to be in charge of my life. Oh, I have too much stress. I can't be in charge of this much stress. I want to be in charge. And so I keep increasing my stress, and it's my stress that's the problem.
2: So I should try to
1: get rid of this stress. That's the breath breath that heals. That's the breath that heals. And so at this moment, just being centered in that, and I cancel my need to be in charge of my life.
2: Am I supposed to think who's going to be in charge of yeah. it? Or that's what I'm not supposed to well, do,
1: right? Well, no, you, you can just let go of that. At this moment, I just asked you to focus on, I cancel it. just just focus your mind on the thought and, and imagine yourself letting go of the need to be in charge of your life. Okay. And just see where your mind goes.
2: Okay. I feel so just that... Happened. Um, Well, I feel that if I didn't have to be in control of my life, things would be easier. I could be, I could, I think that's what I'm saying. Okay, that sounds sounds like a good
1: piece of your puzzle. So, what would you have to give up being in control of?
2: Um, what would I have to be, um, well, I don't know. I'm just, I'm hope, I'm hoping that I'll be able to get rid of this stress.
1: Okay. Okay. So then let's say, so you've just canceled the need to be in charge of your own life. Are there any other lives in your world that if they would follow your instructions, they, their lives, you think their lives would go better?
2: I don't think so. My husband nope. wouldn't so he, even listen to this, so.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: Does You're that make proud. sense to you? Yeah, he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's not in favor of what I'm doing.
1: Ah, okay.
2: But okay. my niece, well, Linda, has helped me.
1: Cool. Fabulous. So, but is there anybody else, let's say, you know, the neighbor down the block or you have a grandchild or a... A cousin or a sister that, Linda. if they or Linda, that if they'd listen to you and do what you want them to do, that their lives would be better.
2: Their lives and my life.
1: Their well, their lives and yours too, perhaps.
2: Um, I don't know. I'm not sure what you're asking.
1: Okay. Well, let's let's try it a different way then. Let's say, for instance, uh, let's use Linda as an example since she introduced you. Is there anything in Linda's world that if she would listen to your advice and do what you suggest she does, Mm -hmm. that you think her her life would go better?
2: No. uh, No. no, Okay, that's good. There's a beep coming in, but I'm not answering it. Okay. Um, Okay. No, I think Linda is, well, Linda has gotten me to you, so that was one way of, of my getting to you, and one way of her helping me to get there.
1: Well, it's nice when you've got family that cherishes and supports you, isn't it?
2: Yes. Cool. Except she. It also causes stresses because my husband don't doesn't believe in any of this, so he doesn't like it.
1: Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So then, do you have a goal for your husband to like it, to like what you're doing? No. I, or I maybe have to, a goal to – go ahead.
2: Okay. I, I, I don't think that I could get him to agree or, or believe in what I'm doing to, now. But I have a friend who um, is being wonderful, and she is sitting through this, and she is helping me with this.
1: Great. But nice she has no idea what's going on friend. either.
2: Yes. I have good right. su- good support from a friend.
1: Awesome, awesome, So what you might want to do is maybe take some time every day and spend some some time on the phone with Linda and just go over the goals that you have for the day and start looking at perhaps there are too many goals that are creating stress and your mind wants to quit you know have you ever have you ever procrastinated in your life?
2: Yes, but I, I try not to. <laughs>
1: okay. I
2: like to be, I like to be in control. I like to be in control of what I'm supposed to do. And I'm but I'm my problem. I think now that we're talking with you is that um, I'm I try to make it perfect, and I can't let it go just better than, a little bit better. If, for me, it has to be what I do have to be has to be perfect.
1: Do you okay. understand? So. I understand you completely, Esther. So would you cancel the need to be perfect and do it all right?
2: I don't know what that sounds like or feels like. <laughs>
1: That's a big one, isn't it? Yeah. So so for a lot of years, you've been driven by being right and and doing it right.
2: Right. Is I that had what to I'm do, hearing? I did. I had to do good in school. I had to do, you know, and I, I, ch- I chose to do be very good in school, and I chose to do everything perfect in my life.
1: All right. And, and what feeling comes when you say that?
2: Uh, well, what I what i said, what I'm saying now is because I'm realizing you're. I think you're trying to help me realize I don't have to be in charge of everything.
1: Right. There you go. And can I also one of the things, okay. go ahead. One of the things that will help your mind to function better is if you can let your attention go on having to be in charge of everything. And you know, there's there's a really cool little poster that I had at one time and it's a, it's a note from god and god saying michael you can let go of it all today i've got your life handled
2: <laughs> okay
1: what if you let what if you let go of all the need to be perfect and all and the need to run and be in control of everything and you just took a deep breath and relaxed into esther's mind and experienced yourself as love Okay. How would that feel?
2: Um, uh, a little scary. Um Because okay. I don't know who would t- who would take care who would you know what I could do.
1: Mm. Okay. Well, you know what might happen, Esther, is that you know if. Uh, If, you know, somebody says, you know, you're going to make eggs for them and uh, they tell you to, you know, to fry one and and poach the other, you know, you might fry the (laughs) wrong egg and you might go, oh, well, so I fried the wrong egg. It wasn't perfect. (laughs) You know, you might be able to let go of the the load of I have to do it all. I have to carry this load because, you know, the mind is, I don't know, are you familiar with computers at all?
2: With computers, yes.
1: Uh huh. So you notice when you turn your computer on, if you've got one program open, the computer runs pretty fast. You mm-hmm. open two programs, it runs pretty fast. Slows down a little bit, maybe, but runs pretty well. You open three programs, it's starting to slow down noticeably. You open four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and all of a sudden the computer crashes because all of its resources are used up.
0: I understand one of the that. Ways
1: Yeah, so one of the ways to reclaim your mind's resources when they're all used up and therefore it looks like it's not working properly and it's starting to crash is to close the programs down. Every time you set a goal, you open a program in your mind and you use resources. When When you cancel those goals, you get that resource back. You know, if I've got my word processing program open and I've got my email program open, my computer will run faster if I want to open my database if I close down the word processor because I've got more resources. And so canceling goals, it's interesting. If you go back into the first century Aramaic language, the word forgive, actually, the word is in Aramaic, and the word means to cancel. And when Mm -hmm. I cancel goals... I get my resources back. My mind doesn't have to go, oh, I've got this whole juggling act to do. I have to be perfect. Everybody else has to be perfect. I have to be in control of everything. I have to do everything just right for everybody in order for them to be happy and me to be safe.
2: Yeah, that's that's me. I
1: I just opened 100 programs. All my resources are used up. Yeah, and so. I think you're going to find a big change in your life if all you do just simply is look at your day and say, what can I actually do and be in charge of today and be reasonably relaxed? Oh, I can take care of breakfast. Uh, I'm going to get the trash taken out. And I'm going to sit down in the afternoon and just take a little nap. Instead of, well, I have to make sure my husband's this and I have to make sure I'm that and I have to make sure my neighbor's this and I have to make sure I to, du, 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 du. I just used up all my resources and sooner or later, just like the computer, my mind's going to say, I quit. I can't do this anymore. And if you've been doing that all your life, your mind's getting into an habitual, I quit. I can't do this anymore. And you might find a lot of resources coming back to you when you just plan your day around what would be – Know, if you don't mind me asking, how many times have you been around the sun? What age are you?
2: Um, I don't know. How old am I? 77?
1: So at 77, do you think it's time for Esther to maybe just sit back and relax a little bit and let God and other people handle some things?
2: It sounds good.
1: I think you'll find that you'll live a much, much longer And you'll have much more of an ability to use your mind and your body than you have imagined. Okay. So that would be my starting point in a conversation. And from there, uh, why don't you just try that out for a few days and, and call us back and let's have another conversation. See if you notice a difference in how your mind is working. And in the meantime, you know, mentally send your husband a big hug.
2: Okay, I can do that.
1: Awesome. Okay, and jeannie has got a thought for you.
2: I just made him leave the room. <laughs> he oh, came in okay. a few. He came in a few minutes ago, and I just you know shoot him out. Okay. Okay. But he went. <laughs>
3: so, es- so Esther, Linda's in yes. the chat room, and and it's this is how it always works in life. You know, she wanted you to call in, and and for us to help you with, you know, looking at the situation and what Alzheimer's really is and that you can, you know, get all that back. And then she was just, in listening to Michael talk with you, she was just like, this is too funny. She said, people are always telling me that I do too much and that I need to sit back and let go and and all this. So all of the things that Michael was giving you, she's taking on for herself as well to let go of the overload and uh, because it just keeps building up on itself. And she said also, and this makes sense for both of you, you and her, that the needing to do it all comes from also that you're seeking for some kind of outside approval, and that relates to, you were talking about whether your husband would approve of you doing this. And so it's always, you know, goes back to we confuse love for approval And so we're seeking to get approval for someone else instead of looking inside that the love is within us. And she also wanted me to remind you, too, this is archived. So you can go back and re-listen, get your friend who's there with you to um, go to our website. And uh, I've sent the link to Linda. And so um, you can go back out there and listen to this show, you know, repeatedly if you couldn't catch it all today, then that way you can listen to it and you
2: can you can catch it
3: again. And you know, we're here Monday through Friday, so listen in and call <laughs> in and, and we're here to support, okay?
2: Okay. Thank you and very Esther,
1: much. Esther. And
2: Esther, from yes, this I'm here. you
1: know, short this short conversation with you. I think you're doing great.
2: Thank you. I've I've all taken right. a lot of big breaths since I've been talking to you all.
1: Good. That's a big key in the process. And it's interesting, you know, what I just shared with you comes from the first century Aramaic language 2,000 years ago in the words of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you have a relationship or, or a church life, do you?
2: I do, but not with Jesus. Well, I guess it is. It's okay. all of Jesus. Okay, yes.
1: Okay. So there's a there's a, a statement that when you read it from the greek translations you would hardly even recognize what he's actually talking about but you might remember a passage that says take no thought for tomorrow sufficient for the day are the evils thereof now, i've never
2: heard that one listen,
1: yeah well you might look it up and you know in greek it doesn't make a lot of sense but here's what Yeshua, his name is actually Yeshua, was saying 2,000 years ago, don't set any goals for tomorrow because you're creating too many stresses in your life. Sufficient for the day, and the word evil there in Aramaic, there are actually two different translations for evil. One of them means that you fired at a target. It's actually an archery term. You fired at a target and you missed the target altogether. It means evil. And the other translation is unripened or incomplete. So what he's saying is don't set any goals for tomorrow because you're using up all your resources. Today's goals are all you need. The things you need to complete for today, the targets you want to achieve are all you need to do. So cancel all goals for tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. If you have a plan to accomplish (laughs) something in the next year, great. Put it in your planner, but don't make a goal out of it. And each time you cancel those goals, you'll be reclaiming your resources. That's stress management that he was teaching 2,000 years ago.
2: That sounds very helpful.
1: Awesome. Well, it's a yeah. delight to meet you, and I'm just delighted to uh, to be part of a conversation with you. And let's see if Dr. Tim has anything you. to
0: share with you. Dr. Tim, do you have any thoughts for Esther? Well, I was going to say very much the same you did. I've heard a lot of people who say they have Alzheimer's or they're worried about having it or dementia. And I I was just going to say the way you've tracked the conversation, the way you breathed into things, I'd say you're doing beautifully. And that if you continue to cancel goals and work with this process, you might be surprised at how well you function.
2: Okay, I'm 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 not getting in there somewhere because um about the Alzheimer's, I don't know how to bring that into this.
0: Cancel goals and watch that you will probably keep functioning better and better.
2: Do I p- just pretend that I don't have to have all that or what?
0: Well, that depends. What do you mean by pretending you don't have it?
2: pretending I do I pretend I don't have Alzheimer's.
0: Okay. What is it that Did you I take do that name di- out of
2: my what I'm sorry, what?
0: What is it that you do differently in your life because you think you have Alzheimer's?
2: That's a very good question. I don't know. It it's become part of my life so I I don't I'd have to think about that.
0: Well what I would encourage you to do is what Michael is saying work on a regular basis to cancel goals, work on a regular basis to eat healthy and get some rest and go easy on yourself, and you will probably notice that you're functioning far better than you had had come to believe.
2: I will try my best to do that. It sounds like a good thing. Um yeah, because I, 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 yes, I do a lot of things because I, I think I need to do them. Okay, so thank you very much. So,
1: so I'd offer it. You know, there's, there's one of the things that I've, I've heard said. You know, when somebody gets up into the 70s and 80s, it's like, how about we just let go of all the cares and concerns about what everybody else thinks about us? You know, it's time to just take care of yourself. And let go of those goals and watch your life soar.
2: I think that sounds like a great idea. And right now, I'm looking outside. I'm looking out at my beautiful yard and I'm thinking how beautiful it is.
1: Awesome. Okay. Thank you. All right. Lots of love and blessings. Smell the the roses. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you.
2: Thank you very much.
1: All right. Okay. Take care. Blessings. Bye-bye. Karen, thank you for introducing us. That was awesome.
2: Linda.
1: Linda, pardon me. Excuse me, Linda. So, goals, the drivers of perception and the creator of stress. And and as I say, rarely would anybody ever in a million years figure out when they read the Greek translations of that wisdom teaching take not thought for tomorrow, for sufficient for the day are the evils thereof. Would they have any idea it has to do with stress management? And when we load our minds up with too many goals, what happens is we create too many stresses. It's interesting how this ties into one of the Beatitudes from the Aramaic that historically is translated as, blessed are they mourning their wrongs for they will be comforted. In Aramaic, if you read that correctly and if you go back to all the wisdom teachings, I I remember uh, oh a couple of years ago we were in South Florida and I was introduced to a rabbi there and invited to speak in his congregation. And he had to kind of vet me first, check me out, knowing that my orientation was Yeshua. And when I sat down and started to talk about the Aramaic, and this guy is about six foot seven, big guy. And he gets up from the table, and I'm sitting down in a chair. And he reaches over, and he just gives me this big hug. And he says, "All of our wisdom keepers were Aramaic. If you're coming from the Aramaic, we want to hear from you." And you go back to the the actual beatitude in the Aramaic that says that you know we're we're need to mourn our wrongs, what that beatitude says is that there's a neural structure inside of us that we can activate and we will activate it by loving truth, looking into our errors in thought and the errors of our society, and then what that finishes off with, the promise of that beatitude says, for you will be cured of mental stress, He was giving a big key on how to keep the mind clean of stress, how to keep the body free of stress, and create only the types of stresses that you need, and that is only have goals for the next waking period. No goals for tomorrow, the next day, the next day. Take no thought for tomorrow. Yes, if you've got a plan, Write it down, have a planner so you don't have to tax your mind with it. And if there's something you can do tomorrow to achieve your plan, then great. Do what it takes to achieve your plan. But if there's nothing to do with, about it tomorrow, you know, if there's something that you have to do three days from now and you set it as a goal now, then for the next 3 days you're using up resources and you're spinning your wheels because there's nothing your mind can do about it until 3 days from now you know if let's say i I'm, I'm going to get a degree and so i'm going to register for class and i can't register until the 5th of march but i set the goal to register for the class today well this is the 1st of march so my mind goes oh, register for the register for the class register. Tomorrow, register for the next day, register. I'm using all these processing resources, but I can't register for the class until the 5th. So I have it in my planner to register for that class on the 5th, and I don't set it a goal until the morning of the 5th. Then I've created a stress, in the, and the functioning purpose of the mind is to do behaviors or to show us behaviors with which to reduce stress. So now that I get up on the morning of the 5th and I set the goal to register for that class, I look up, where's the registration office? Can I do it by email? Great. I can. I looked it up. I can do it by email. I did the behavior I needed to do. I found the place to register for the class. I filled out the form. I hit the send button, and my stress is gone. Now I have all my resources back. But if I worked on that for five days, I wasted a lot of resources, And so forgiveness is about reclaiming your resources and getting back to the truth of who you are. And the truth of who you are, and Esther, it was a delight to speak with you. I get the sweetness in your voice. I understand why Linda cherishes you. And live is the presence of love. And at 77, let go of the need to do it all. Let go of the need to be perfect, actually, if you're 27 or 17, or 7, it would be good to let go of those goals. And so we're down to the last few seconds. We appreciate you being with us. We hold the space that you're going to have the best year yet of your eternal life and blessings. Bye-bye.
3: And instead of playing the song, I'm just going to say we had another question in the chat room and three callers on the line. You all please check back in with us tomorrow. We're here at the same time, same station. Love you. Bye.